Welcome back, everyone, to the FlowTrack Podcast. FlowTrackPodcast at gmail.com is our email address. I'm Kevin. He's Gordon. You can follow the show on social media. You can subscribe to the YouTube page. You can even become a member. If you're watching on YouTube now, click the join button underneath where you can get awesome exclusive content and the ability to customize your viewing experience. Gordon, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Doing good. Uh, I think we might have just crossed the final notable weekend of running of 2021. We did it. 2021 is complete. On December 13th, we can, today is our New Year's Eve. We're at that point where there's three different seasons intersecting. And you'd think, oh, that means it's the beginning of something. But in track, that's the signal that it's the end. Because you have indoor, you have cross country, you have some some road races as well, too. But that's the sign that things are are winding down just because it descends into pure chaos. But you're right. You're right. This I think we can put a pin on it because folks lay low a bit for the holidays. So there's going to be less indoor action. We know cross country's a wrap. Road races are a wrap. So we'll get into some end of year award stuff in, in the coming weeks. Do you want to run through the tentative holiday schedule right now for the folks before we get any further? Well, I don't know what it is yet. Okay, so great. We'll... That was good. Yeah, that was good. We reached another milestone, Gordon. We reached another we podcast on Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays. That's what I know for sure. It's great. It was great. You really delivered there. I needed I needed the schedule and you gave me the I don't have the schedule. Um, Let's start, though. We, we reached a milestone in track and field or we hit our traditional thing in track and field which is the indoor season doesn't begin until someone sets an off distance collegiate record while being filmed from the stands by either a coach assistant coach or a friend or family member and it came in the form of abby steiner of kentucky breaking the 300 meter collegiate indoor record remember gordon last year she got that indoor 200 meter record on her way to a awesome indoor season outdoors. She got hurt, didn't qualify past the East prelim, but Steiner 35.80. And she beats a record that was held by Merlene Adi back when Merlene Adi attended Nebraska. Obviously, Adi, one of the all-time great sprinters. But now that record belongs to Abby Steiner. All-time list. Got some big names there. Sidney McLaughlin, Tamara Clark. McCrory, Bryant, Wembley, some some big names up there. But now Abby Steiner is the owner of the indoor 300 meter collegiate record. Yeah, and I remember vividly when Sydney ran her 300. It was her freshman year. It was at the same time. It was a December race. It was in Indiana, mm-hmm. and it was like the start of uh, Sydney Madness. Uh, her one and only year at Kentucky, and now you have a fellow Kentuckian coming in and not just beating the Kentucky record, but the overall record. And I know you can give, I'm, I'm going to try to take credit, but you're going to say I don't deserve the credit. But I've been saying that I believe in Abby Steiner as one of the future greats at the pro level on the U.S. side in the 200. And I keep on predicting it. I predicted, I predicted this the past two years. Mm-hmm. First time I predicted it, we had a pandemic. The second time I predicted it, I was like, okay, no pandemic this time. It's time for her. And she gets hurt. So now you know what they say. Three, third time's a charm. I'm predicting yep. it. Abby Steiner is making the U.S. 
women's 200 meter team in 2022. Doing early it. prediction for Gordon, but not that early if you consider that, yes, he's been making the same prediction for three years. Here's, here's the talent that goes into picking is you always say if you get one wrong, but then you eventually get it right. Ah, just a year early. Yeah. Just two years early. Just a year and a half early. I was just a little bit off. Because then it makes you seem like you had foresight. It doesn't make you seem like you were you were wrong. But yeah, no doubt. Massive, massive talent. We just didn't get to see it outdoors, which is where all the attention is. And outdoors always overshadows indoors. Doesn't really matter how great someone runs indoors because outdoors happens right after. The marks are a lot more meaningful. The stakes are a lot higher. It translates into pro contracts and professional meets. So if you run well indoors, it's great. It's a bonus. But we always remember the outdoor performances. And last year, as I mentioned, she got hurt. Just just showed up at East Prelims. Uh, didn't make it out of that meet. But no doubt she's a huge talent. And, you know, we always see these records early season. Sometimes they mean something. Sometimes they, they don't. But the names that were on that list with her obviously went on to to great things by and large i mean there's a lot of medals on that list there's some records on that list there's you know a lot of teams made on that list as well too so i don't know when your rankings are coming out for college but i'm guessing if abby signer wasn't at the top just based on what she did last year indoors now she is now you know she's in full form so here's a question for you mm -hmm. what are your top five off event events right now and what like what what would you say is what like what's your top five like if you had to do a draft of non-official events like where does the 300 meters rank okay like what's Great your question. number one pick okay are you saying indoors or outdoors both off road off both. any off event and Anything. by favorite do you mean favorite in a serious way or favorite in oh this is the most ridiculous thing however you However you contemplate the word favorite, that's okay. how I want you to do it. So when I think off events, I think indoors because it's more likely to get some strange events because people are experimenting with things. 600 would be my number one pick because it seems like the 600 collegiate record, American record or whatever is always getting broken every single year. And then you look at the all-time list and you're like, oh, that person. I don't, I remember that. That was crazy. Also. Three laps indoors, nice, neat, easy to remember. It's kind of fun. I think the 400 is too short indoors because it's too too much banging around, but the, the 600 is perfect. So I'd say 600, number one. Hey, see here, we have we have video of this world record right here. Uh, Kazloxum, see, I don't even know. Did Kazloxum get it or Isaiah Harris? I, don't, they, I mean, I'm sure at one point they both had it. If you went to Penn State, you had a 600 meter world record. That's just the rule. That would be my number one. <laughs> Uh, then I would probably go thousand, thousand, then I would go to the shorter stuff, 300, and then I would go 500. The 500 is always funny because they always do the thing. Can they break 60 seconds and they do it at Milrose or they do it at one of the other pro meets. And I guess because it's near a round number, that one's kind of fun. I guess that was Kazlox and broke, breaking that record in that, that meet. 114. So I'm going to zag. I'm going to zag. Yeah. And I like it. I love it when they do one. I like when they do like the 55 
instead of the 60. Mm. I like it when they do the 600 <laughs> yard or the 500 oh, no, no. yard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, yeah. It, when we start doing the yard records, especially like Big 12 yeah. actually has a championship for, I think, the 600 yards. They don't do yeah, 600 why? meters. They do 600 yards. I don't know. Tradition, man. Tradition. Okay. Right? So gotcha. uh, I love it when we get these really weird ones that involve yards. Uh, like the Harvard track is a 200 yard mm -hmm. track, it's not even a 200 meter track. So anytime. Did not. So when. When uh, I believe I could be wrong, but I believe when Ivy League is hosted at Harvard for like championships, they may change yeah. like all the races to like four by like four forty meters. Four forty like, yards, yeah. Four forty okay. yards. They do that, so I think it's kind of good picks. I do, I do recall seeing a lot of three hundred yard or five hundred yards because when you have the distance, that's different. Because you're not doing 400, you're doing 300, and then you add on top of it yards instead of meters. If we want to go really strange, you know, you could start talking about that sh the straight 150s on the street meets. But I don't think anybody's ever like enjoyed a straight 150. No one's ever said that's one of my most memorable moments in track and field is the time someone ran a straight 150. I remember one of the first meets I covered for flow like a long time ago before I was full time. It was at the BU track and they had heats and heats and heats of the thousand and the 500. And before that, gotta be honest, Gordon, cause I grew up on the West coast. We didn't really have indoor track. I didn't know that it was a thing. And there were so many 500s. <laughs> I could not believe how many 500s there were. And there were so many thousands. And I thought, why can't they just run the 400 and the 800? But then you realize, oh, they, they do that as well too. Just do every event possible. Every event. I mean, the, the off event is designed so when you do well in it, it's great. When you do bad in it, you say, well, this isn't my event. You know, it gives yeah. you an out yes, either way. Yeah. Oh, this the isn't 600 my is, event. Well, of course it's not. The 600, though, is interesting because, you know, they say like the 800, right, is where it crosses over from anaerobic to aerobic. So 600 gets closer to that line. Um, oh, Travis pulled up a video, four by 300 in an underground parking garage. Now, you have me with anything in an underground parking garage, I'm going to watch because it just looks way faster, way more epic. And you're running as if the future of the free world is at stake and you have all the data on your flash drive and you're in a movie with Tom Cruise. So this is, where did you find this? How old is this? 20, this is 2021. It's not old, man. Pandemic okay. running, man. This is pandemic. Oh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> this is amazing. If you're not watching, pause the podcast. And type in four by 300 in underground parking garage. I think I've fallen in love with this event. This has got to be horrible for their knees. Like, what, just the hardest I concrete see ever. Fall. There's a guy running in pants now. This is amazing. Like, there's, this is an amazing parking garage because you literally can see the outside, like the kiosk where they're going to put their tickets in to pay. First 20 minutes are free. See, though, uh, so. We need to get olympians in this race that's what we need olympian four by 300 parking garage invitational that's what i want to see i want to know why this is not a uh yeah why this is not a more common event yeah so as i was saying 600 you get more people in there of like man this this actually could be their event they would be really good in the yeah. 600 someone like an emmanuel career your favorite runner yeah. in history you think oh man 600. he's notorious for the person that i said was going to be great way too early 
And then mm-hmm. it was so early, I, I got off of it. And then now he's an Olympic champion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should have stayed on. I should have stayed on. Uh, Tampa Eagle, who's a member uh, of Gordon's team, which remember when you sign up, you can sign up for Gordon's team or, or Kevin's team. Um, sign up for either, either one, team. but or neither. Yeah, there's a third tier where you're not associated with anybody because you're a free thinker. Uh, Tampa <laughs> Eagle says a, th- a thing Mo 600. Yeah, obviously a thing Mo 600 would be amazing. The thing is that she's good at both already. What I'm looking for is someone who's like not quite there in either one, and then you split the distance and and they're amazing. Um, now Travis is pulling up an indoor four by two on a flat track where a lot of people fell and that one dude fell three times on his own. That was incredible. Oh man. This is asking for a twisted ankle. Yeah. Body's not supposed to do that. I like the four by two though. In general, if if we could choose that as an obscure event, I would, I think it's actually more fun than the four by one because it has less to do with handoffs, but that's another story for another day. Let's move on to cross-country, Gordon. We had the East Bay Cross-Country Championships in San Diego, and Natalie Cook and Riley Ho prevailed with the victories. Cook from Texas, Ho from Michigan. Let's start first with the the girls' race there. Cook was coming off running lane title where she dominated. We thought that she would be the person to beat in this race. Turned out that was the case. She went out hard from the gun, had a nice, comfortable lead for a good portion of it. Angelina Perez and Jenna Mulhern really closed the gap though, coming up to that last hill. And it looked like they could overtake Cook, but she had plenty left coming off the hill and into the final stretch. She won by almost five seconds. Perez came in as the number two ranked runner. She was she was moving really well. She was back early on, but she gets up for second and Mulhern was third, but Natalie Cook, 17, 15. They say 17 minutes is the the marker for all time on this course. I know it rained during the week. They said it was make it faster, but it's hard to tell uh, with, with all those hills and all the different um, conditions there with the dirt and the mud. But good back-to-back for, for Natalie Cook. You can say she is clearly the best girl high schooler who competed this this fall. Yeah, the first ever running lane East Bay champion. Yeah, it was it was always the Foot Locker NXN champion. Now we have the Running Lane East Bay champion, uh, and she pulled it off the no doubt about it best runner. I mean, there was a Jenna Hutchinson not running, but she's Hutchinson. basically declassifying from this season because she's going right to BYU next next year. So uh, she's the best runner in the nation, and she's going to Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma State has got a really good runner. And Cook, who should be an immediate impact, should be able to help that team. And uh, I'm sure Dave Smith is thrilled to have someone of her talent come into uh, Stillwater. And they they host – is it next year they host? Next yeah, so year. she'll be running cross on her – on the course that she'll be training on. So it'll be a good – buy some cooked stock now uh, before it's mm-hmm. too late. Um, then she should be potentially a top 20, maybe top 10 person at the NCAA level. Mm-hmm. Only one loss on the year, and that was in Woodbridge, which was a very competitive race out in Southern California that she traveled to. But one UIL, one running lane, one East Bay, just an incredible string of victories for her. And on the men's side of things, a little more open 
because every a lot of people were leaning Gavin Sherry out of the Northeast because we didn't see him at running lane where Riley Ho, we saw Zane Bergen, we saw. And Gavin Sherry took this thing out hard. He was leading. Riley Ho and Keenan Paula, who was from San Diego, had raced on the course multiple times, caught him on that final downhill. And Ho just was shot out of a cannon off that final hill. And that's a massive downhill. That's not something that you see in most cross-country courses. And he took full advantage of it. And he put the race away in the matter of seconds. And he ends up winning by three seconds here in 15-11 to Paula's 15-14. Sherry still ran well, uh, finished third in 15-17. Zane Bergen, who was the top non-Newberry Park runner in running lane, was fourth with uh, 15-20. Yeah, Ho, you know, it's always good to see athletes athletes be able to kind of flip the script on themselves a week later. It shows mm -hmm. that uh, they don't, you know, resort. They, they understand that it's just one race and they're able to kind of recalibrate and do better in a second race. It's a good sign for their future because um, it shows that they're able to not take defeats um, too seriously and be able to kind of mm -hmm. bounce back a week later. And I mean, he had no reason to think he was the favorite going into East Bay, right? He had lost to someone else who's going to be in the field. There was a guy named mm -hmm. Gavin Sherry in the field. So he probably was thinking, at best, I'm a top five guy. But then yeah. he goes in and he wins. And that shows like, hey, you're doing it. Uh, you're doing it the right way. You're recalibrating after a, a, a tough fifth place finish. And then you end it with the win. So I'm sure he's thrilled to have the season he had. I mean, if you look at his season he's first 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 everywhere except for running lane and then mm -hmm. he ends it with the first place wow he raced a lot oh my god how many wow. times did this guy run one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen sixteen seven okay this is he ran 17 times i'm sorry ncaa college coaches ncaa <laughs> runners who are age 18 to 22 you only can run three to four times this guy ran freaking 17 5Ks. Even if he cut he that in half and make it a mall yeah, 10Ks, he's I don't know if they're still all running 8. He's running 8 plus 10Ks. You can run at least more than four freaking races. Hey, man. Do you think he'll run more so than 17 times in his entire collegiate career or less? I bet he won't run more than 17 times. Oh, He'll run less than 17 cross-country races in his college career. Mm -hmm. That's a fact. And that's Scroll kind of Scroll down crazy. again. Travis, are all these invites or are a lot of these just like random duels? Like dual I, meets I feel and like stuff. Yeah. Some of the invites. I, yeah, I love that. I like on, on, like on, on September 14th, Plymouth at Heartland duel. Like it's just funny that like the best runner of the nation goes and runs a dual meet. I mean, it's awesome. And of course they should. But I, I saw the same thing when I was going through Newberry Park's like season, and it was like they show up to the Marmonte League number three meet, and they're in this race with kids running 18, 19 minutes because those kids are out there. They're just in high school cross country. They don't know that they happen to be in the same league as the best cross country team in history. Like That's tough. In football, if you win against the best football team in history in high school, you'd know about it for a long time, and you'd probably try to get out of the game at some point because it wouldn't go well or even basketball it would just be ridiculous because you'd line up you know the starting lines would be called and everybody would be like six eight but in cross country it's just no big deal let's do it 
Uh, yeah, 17 yeah. times. That's a lot. I'm going to write it down. Uh, remember this. Remind me in 2026 or whatever. Uh, yeah. He will run less cross-country races his entire career. Where is he going? Scroll up. What school is he going to? Michigan State. He's going to Michigan State. He'll run less races at Michigan State in, in cross-country than he does in one year as a senior at Heartland in Heartland. So, yeah. We'll see. He looked comfortable. He looked really great coming off that hill it wasn't like he was just hanging on for for dear life really well-timed race as well for riley ho so that's a wrap for the the high school season and it's interesting to look at these results gordon in the context of what we saw at running lane where it was dominated by newberry park and it gives credence to the fact that you'd say hey newberry park has the top three guys in the nation and they have four in the top 10 because riley ho and and zane bergen both got beat by Newberry Park's top three, and then Riley Ho a week later goes and wins a national title. Again, it's not perfect. Uh, it's not a perfect way to compare. I'm not saying if those three guys were in this race that they would have clearly gone one, two, three. Obviously, it's close, and they're high school they runners, so there's a big have. variation. But yeah, it's we have a we we have a fair bit of evidence to say that they, they would not have dropped uh, that far out. Like they are rightfully ranked, like. Uh, Colin Solomon, Lex Young, Leo Young are rightfully ranked one, two, and three, I think. It's an accurate rank. So speak, speaking of Newberry Park, the other this over this weekend, I was looking at college NCA marks. And I was, first of all, I was kind of, before we get to Newberry, I was looking at, I predicted, I was like, remember when I said Ole Miss DMR is going to be good? Remember when I said that on Friday? Bold take, well, but yes, you had it first. When you look at their roster, they have nine guys on their active roster with both indoor and outdoor eligibility who have sub-four PBs to their name. Some, some of their PBs are 1,500-meter conversions, but like Mario Garcia-Romo has run sub-four in a mile, but he just has run a faster. He ran 335 in a 1,500, so I put his mm -hmm. faster PB there. But nine guys – a lot of them are transfers. James Young is a D2 transfer. I believe Shane Bracken is a D2 transfer. Corcoran mm -hmm. is a guy from overseas. Uh, but yeah, and then the rest of her are just returners. But nine guys on one team who can run sub four in a mile. I, I just was basically projecting it's going to be the year of the old Miss Milers. They're going to run a lot of guys who run sub four in the same race this indoor season. And they're running at Penn Relays. And so I tweeted out, Pen relays can't come soon enough. And lo and behold, a certain Sean Rosden responded, they should let us, Newberry Park, in the four by mile. And quickly after that, you had Everett Sm Smulders uh, says, you don't want our smoke. And Sean responded, like, we just want the challenge. And then mm -hmm. I tweeted out from the flow track handle, Newberry Park. At Penn Relays, question mark? And then Sean responded, if they let us if they let us in. So we know that Newberry, the California team, wants to come to Philadelphia. Can we can we make this happen, Kevin? Can you and me make a Newberry Park four by mile happen against the college kids? And the first question I think people need to figure out is like how good would they be? Yeah. Right? Because I yeah. Um let's let, let's put one put one bit of context out there. You mentioned the team that you think is going to be the best in the NCAA this year and listed it, right? 
not just any team in the NCAA. So Newberry Park doesn't need to beat Ole Miss or even be close to Ole Miss to break the high school record, which is one goal, or beat other college teams. You know, I'm going back to the whole, could Bama beat an NFL team, right? That whole debate, it's, it's like, that's like saying, could Bama beat the Chiefs? Like when they won the Super Bowl. It's like, that's not what we're, what we're saying here. We're saying, can Newberry compete with these, these collegiate teams? And they obviously can. So we got the marks up here. These are converting 1,600 to miles so from last year. 404. Those marks aren't, those aren't, those marks aren't 100% accurate. Because I looked at them. So, okay. yeah, Lex and Lord they've all run right. sub 410. They've all run sub 410. Like Aaron Salmon, he's run a 409. He's on a, uh, so I don't know why those 100% are accurate, but basically, Salmon, uh, the three younger guys, got, the two Leos. I got him here. I got him here. Oh, you got him? I got him here. Okay. 404, 407, 408, 409 is what I have. Okay. Yeah. That was all last year. And you'd imagine right. they're going to be even better this year. So maybe update it. Maybe this will make it better. I don't know. Anyway, it's a weird, I think maybe their mark wasn't run in California, which is, and we're on miles split California. That's probably why. Because the mark wasn't run in the state of California, maybe. I don't know. Regardless, they're fast. They're Regardless. faster last year. They're fast last year. They'd be faster this year, we assume. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that they, I mean, Colin Solomon is going to run sub four. Like he is legit. He mm -hmm. can run 357, in my opinion. I mean, their 5Ks are going to convert to 1340s, 1350s. These guys can mm -hmm. do it. I think they're 357. I think the two young, the young brothers, I think they're 359 to 401 guys right now. And I think the, th the fourth guy, Aaron okay, Solomon, is on. probably like a 405, right? So I think okay. they have a 357, two four flats, and a 405. All right, hold Obviously, hold on, hold this is going to be on. enough to break the national record of 1704 set by Utah. The, I think that's the Casey Klinger team. This team can run in the 1620s, in my opinion. Okay. You want to well, say you're automatically just Well, you're just automatically giving everybody a seven-second PR just because they got older. I mean, they're great. I think they're going to PR. But I don't, I don't think automatically we can lop off that much time because when you're that good, it's really, really hard to improve. And then also when you're looking at it in the context of a four-by-mile, it's going to be hard to run at your PB. The first runner is going to have the ability to run with folks maybe some of the other people are going to get to run with people, but they're going to go a tick slower. I think they're obviously going to be competitive in the collegiate side of things. This is, this is a good thing about track. It's numbers, right? Like how many teams have this many guys that are going to run that quick? Ole Miss is an outlier. They're one of the best teams yeah. in the nation. If you pulled the, hey, here's the team that's going to get, uh, who's like 15th best with Milers, the, t the times would be a lot more realistic. Like it's, you, you tried out the best team and you, you, you were doing it not to make a point about Newberry Park. You were doing it to make a point about Ole Miss. Hey, these guys are good. This, this should be the favorite for yeah. the DMR. Um, so that shouldn't be the point of Four comparison. Four by mile, excuse me. I think of it, let's put it in the terms of, of the four by one here for a second. Because I think what we've proven throughout the year, like we said, Newberry has three of the top guys in the nation and four in the top 10. So if you go back and you say, all right, this is essentially an all-star team, right? If yeah. you had an all-star team of 100 meter runners, how good would they do? So I went back to 2019. So if you had a, a high school team of bowling, 
Micah Williams. So that's 10, 11, 10, 21. These are all wind legal automatic timing. Uh, Keenan Christian, who ran 10, 30. Langston Jackson, 10, 30. Those were the top four guys in the 100 in 2019. Of course they would beat a college team. They wouldn't beat LSU. They wouldn't beat Texas A&M. They wouldn't beat Houston. They wouldn't beat Florida. But like a 10-1, a 10-2, and a couple like 10-3 lows, like they could beat college teams. Yeah. The, 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 an all-star high school team can beat many college teams is basically yeah. – that makes sense. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, right. They're not going to beat them all, right? They're not going right. to – like you said, not going to beat the LSUs and A&Ms. The same way Newberry won't beat Ole Miss – but Newberry, I think, could be finished top five in a pen relays. Depends who shows up, but yeah. 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 I think regardless of who shows up, I think once they're in there, I know you these guys are fat. Like they're we're talking about sophomores who ran 408. If you're a sophomore in high school, you're like 16 years old and you're running 408, and then you follow it up by running Dathan Rittenheim type times in a 5K like a few months later, they are going to, I mean, I think they have three sub four milers this year in 2022. Like I'm just going with that. So I think they're better than what they're going to be on paper. I think they're going to be a 16, 20, 16, 10 team. And yeah, not many teams even can run sub 16, 20 in the history of the, the four by mile. We rarely ever see an all out four by mile, like a, a 16 flat where everyone's four flat, but uh, I think if we had them in that race, everyone's going to want to watch it. They're going to want to watch. Yeah. Wait, can this team win? They won't win. But like, hey, can they get top three? It's going to be freaking history. And if something crazy happens and they have Salmon on the anchor and he's in it with like 800 to go, people are going to go nuts because you're like, all right, they have a 357 guy and they're still in it. Yes. He might not beat a 353 guy like Garcia Romo yeah. or anything like that, but like you like their yeah. chances. You have a 357 guy on anchor. Now, clearly the kicks of college kids are more developed. They're stronger. Likely they're going to be able to outkick a high school kid. But, hey, Hobbs Kessler was better than pretty much every college kid out there, and he was in high school, right? There's high school kids yeah. out there who are just great talents. And we've never seen a world where the three best high school kids are all on the same team so they can be on a relay right. together. We've just never seen it. Yeah. And that's, why not that's my experiment? Why not figure out a way to get them at Penn Relays and let them like shock the world? It would be amazing. That's my point, is the fact that you never had this collection of talent and 17, 18 year olds, um, they're fast enough to be competing with 19 and 20 year olds. The, the problem is they're all spread out over a bunch of different teams. I'm not yeah. going as far as you. I'm not automatically saying they're all going to, you know, snap their fingers and improve by six or seven seconds, but I think they'll improve enough and they're at a good enough starting point to where they're going to beat some teams. They're obviously going to smash the high school record, which I think would be the first priority for them. Let's get in a race where we can actually get competition. And how many four by miles exist out there that could give them competition in the entire world? This is probably one of the only ones. I mean, you look at someone like Aaron Salmon, who's their fourth best guy. He's their fourth best guy. 
in cross country, his fastest mark, uh, his three mile mark was fifteen oh seven. He ran a three mile in fifteen oh seven. You talking about last his year? Past season, he ran a three mile in thirteen forty two. Yeah. So uh, he's he's getting a lot better. <laughs> so if you go from fifteen oh seven to thirteen forty two. What will yeah. a four oh nine become? I think yeah. a four oh nine will become a sub four oh five at least. I know, but but you know, as you get better, it gets harder to drop off time. And going from a four oh four to a three fifty seven, actually, I'd be interested in that stat. How many people in history have gone four oh four to three fifty seven in one season? It's got to be pretty small. Um, I guess Webb dropped a lot of time down to three fifty three. Now that I think about it, yeah, I want to see it. I mean, who who wouldn't What's want to see this? This is a sub four debut. That's a good stat. What's the fastest sub four debut? If you know, send it in. I would be very curious. But you have to have run like a legit mile before that. You can't have been just yeah. running fifteen hundreds. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh wow, I'm a I'm a three forty eight miler. How about that? My three thirty fifteen hundred gave me no indication that I'd be a three forty eight miler. All right. Speaking of people who are fast when they were young, Jakob Ingebrigtsen won the European Cross Country Championship in style. Gordon, I like that he races in cross. I like that he races a lot. Jakob, he raced a lot as a kid and everyone thought, hey, is he going to burn out? And he's kind of kept doing it as a pro. He's not out there every week. He's not like the Riley Ho of European Cross Country where he's out there 17 times in the fall. But it's kind of cool that the biggest name um in european men's distance running is competing in frequent as frequently as he is and in races where he has something to lose with the with the title on the line so this was this was fun yeah did, did mo farah run this meet often the euro cross champs i remember he ran edinburgh cross but i don't yeah. i don't remember did you ever run like ever. euro cross champs let me let me do some googling. Mo Farah Euro Cross. Mm. No, I'm seeing Great Edinburgh. Let's see cross country. Oh no, he ran it. Oh, he ran it at least five. He got five medals from it. One gold, th okay. three silvers, and one bronze. Uh, he ran in 09. Sorry, 06, 08, and 09. So he didn't run it at all once he became Mo Farah. To answer your question. Okay. You ran Which is when you want to see them run it. You want to see them yeah. run it when they are established. Jakob Ingebrigtsen is Jakob Ingebrigtsen. Established. Now. Yeah. Right. But he, Farah didn't run. The only cross-country races he ran after, I mean, Farah became Farah 2011. Correct? That's what we'll, that's what we'll say. When Daegu. Yeah. He only yeah. ran Great Edinburgh. That was it. So that's that's even more of a uh, a thankful moment yeah. to see Jakob doing what he's doing, right? I mean, yeah. maybe it just comes yeah. from tradition in the family. And this is what we do. This is how we do it. We don't diddle dally around races. We just go for it. What's one mm -hmm. cross country race going to do to our train? I don't think he's thinking this may affect my my August twenty twenty two performance in Eugene because he yeah. he knows it's not. It's, this race will be out of his legs by the time Eugene comes mm -hmm. along. So he's able to kind of do it. And he was very strategic. I saw him like in the a couple clips on Twitter of him like 
being very like hiding behind other bodies to avoid he the was wind. Ducking. He was very, very yes. tactical. Yeah. I liked it. It was fun. Kaya of Turkey was second. Gressier of France, who is famous for his celebrations, uh, got third. So he did not he did not celebrate because he was getting the bronze medal here. Grovedal won it on the women's side. And then on the men, so they had the U, they had the seniors, they had the U23, and they had the U20. So a lot of different categories here. The winner of U23 was none other than Charles Hicks of Stanford and who went to high school in the United States. But somehow he got into Eurocross. We're still investigating. Just, just when I thought British. he was American. That's a, that's a Gordon joke for those of you who are new to the program. Yeah, I thought he was American. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was kind of interesting. You look at some of the results, and uh, there were there were like a lot of college NCAA people in that field. I saw Brian Fay. He's Washington Husky. He finished, I think, top 10, and he was only like top 40 at NCAA Cross. So it's kind of interesting seeing like people do even better at Eurocross mm-hmm. than what they would have done at NCAAs. Hicks is, he was a top five guy regardless on either side because he's he's a, a great athlete no matter where he mm-hmm. runs. But it's always interesting to see comparing like the Euro field depth compared to NCAA depth and like the mm-hmm. fact that you can get top 10 at Eurocross, but that translates to like 40th in NCAA cross. It's kind of interesting to see because, you know, when we throw in Americans, you throw in some East Africans yeah. running in America, the, the field gets a little deeper. Um, someone in the chat mentioned the U20 winner, Axel Van Christensen, is the next Jakob. Remember the name. He's also the next nominee for the all-name team. That's that's yeah right. Axel Van Christensen. That's, very, that's a yeah. good ass name. I should name my child Axel. Axel Mac. That'll be cool. Should I do Whoa! That? I don't have a yeah. child coming. Don't. That's not what I was. I was going to say. But... Are you are you reporting this? <laughs> no, I'm not reporting. I'm not reporting. Axel Megan Mack Keith. Megan Keith won the women's U20. So a little more down the middle in terms of a name. From Axel Vang Christensen. Um, Wait, so let's know, let's investigate this this take. Whoever said it, they're saying that this act is the next Jakob Ingebrigtsen. Is that what I'm hearing? Old athletics. What's his? Uh, that's what it says in the chat here. Let's yeah, look up some some splits here. So it's from Denmark. Seventeen. I just old. can't get past it. Can't get past the name. I got to be honest. Like, I'm just assuming he's really good. Only yeah, 17? So 17. That's 17, way U twenty. That's way U twenty. So seventeen, he's run eight forty two in a steeple, thirteen forty four in the five k, seven fifty nine in an indoor three k. Yeah, I mean seventeen year olds running thirteen forty four. I mean that's basically what we're going to expect from Colin Solomon, right? We think he's a thirteen forty four, thirteen forty two guy. Uh, I could see that seventeen. If if by like age nineteen he's running thirteen twenties. Oh, even then, no. Jakob was running like thirteen flat by nineteen. He still has a little oh, bit I'm of weight at himself. So, so, so Jakob was still... born in two thousand. I'm looking at what Jakob's time was when he was seventeen. Uh he ran thir- 
13 well he had run 13 17 but 13 well, he 35 ran this actually at age he ran this at age 16 because he did it okay. May 2021 and he was 16 okay so at 13 the at the time so 13 35 was 16 year old time is what i believe Jakob's 16 year old time was okay so he's about nine seconds off. back not too far off kids these days they, they're fast yeah. I think we glossed over something real quickly there. You are you going out on a limb and saying Colin Salmon is the next Axel Van Christensen, despite being older than him? Is that what you're gonna say? I am going out on a limb. I am. Okay, good. I'm going on that limb. Yeah. I'm going on that limb. <laughs> it's like if you had to compare him to any runner in Denmark, who would it be? Like definitely Kevin, Axel Van Christensen. <laughs> That's the comp. Um yeah. Jakob. I mean, he was so good, so young. I think you, we, we forget. <laughs> like that jump yeah. from 2017 to 2018, 339 to 331. That, speaking of yeah, big that mile jumps, that, that might be it. Although he was already sub four by that point. And then, and then as I mentioned, that same year going from 1335 to 1317 is crazy. He would just, remember how much he would compete though in those European championships? He'd run the steeple and he'd run two other events. Yeah. It was always crazy. Um. I want to ask you, I want to do a different story here. Uh, did you see the article in the Deseret News about Connor Mance turning pro? I did not. There's a quote uh, in there, there which is interesting. Coming in, what's, what's the interesting quote? Enlighten me. Um, okay, so here's the quote from Mance, and then it's followed up by a quote from Ed Iso and BYU coach. It says, first from Mance, my agent said if I had taken an offer in the summer, I would have gotten half of what I'm getting now, said Mance. And here's Isone. It gave him one more fall to shine. And during the course of the season, he showed he was worthy of a multi-year contract. What do you think about that? I mean, it makes sense. I think him winning another, like against good competition, against 13 teen guys in, in the Campbell kid and, uh, and Kyoko and um, Kiptu. I think it showed that he is resilient. I think it showed that he was. I mean, did he win NCAA outdoors? I forget. Did who he won ten k, right? He won the ten k outdoors, right? Yeah, yeah, right. But he didn't. Was he in the five k, or did he not even do the five k? Uh, let's look that up. You're you're uh, stretching the limits of my memory here. Um, oh, sorry, he was second in the ten k. Didn't run okay. the 5K. So that that makes sense. Patrick Deaver, yeah, so he yeah. only ran the 10K. Yeah. So I think that's probably why, right? Because they're like, all right, you lost to Patrick Deaver. Like, why are you valuable? <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? I don't mean like that. But like, the Deaver oh, okay, you won cross in March when, you know, some of the – like Cooper Tier and some of the or, and Cole Hawker didn't didn't race you, and and uh, Kip Two was coming off of an indoor five yeah. k. You beat like a weakened field, then you got second at ten k. Are you really that good, or are you just old? Right, that's probably what's the yeah. take. But then he comes back. He's like, no, no, I'm that good. I'm gonna go undefeated. I'm gonna make it no doubt that I am the best distance runner in college. I'm gonna beat a field that has Cooper Tier in it. 
that has 13, 13 guy Kyoko in it, that has Kiptu in it, that has the NAU guys in it. And I want to make no doubt about it. I think that makes sense that that all of a sudden, because all right, yeah, you're more valuable. It's like, I think uh, Charlotte is dealing with this right now in the NBA. They could have offered Miles Bridges a probably a cheaper contract, but they decided to wait. And now this season, he's playing really good basketball. And now he's going to get probably $10 million more per year because they didn't want to invest in him one year earlier. And so in this situation, waiting six months allowed for Mance to be more valuable. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's another part that I wanted you to comment on that that was interesting. It says, Mance, who plans to complete his degree in mechanical engineering at BYU next semester, will continue to train with iStone and Provo throughout the summer. Uh, goes on to say, usually once runners sign with a shoe company, they train with that company's coach and team, especially as it relates to Nike and its highly successful Bowerman team. But given iStone's coaching chops and Mance's school commitments, Nike was comfortable allowing them to continue to work together. Quote, they encourage athletes at most schools to come and train with their team, but they don't think the BYU runners necessarily have to do that, which is a nice compliment. I'll be taking a lot, uh, talking a lot of training with Jerry Schumacher, and when the Bowerman team trains in Park City this summer, we'll send Mance up there. Thoughts? So is he in like the G League, the Bowerman G League, which is like the BYU world, and then he's going to get called up to ten no, contracts say, to train with Bowerman, and then is he eventually going to be, be with Bowerman like in by twenty twenty four? Is that what we're is that what we're projecting? Maybe that's usually a a good bet. You stay with the well, the people who stay with the college coach don't usually do it forever. I remember yeah. there was remember Morgan McDonald was stayed in Madison for a bit before he yeah moved out to Boulder. I think that's some similar setup. I mean, Ed Ed's basically saying, hey, we have a stable system here that's working. He wants to finish his degree. I mean, I know, yeah, like that sentence is absolutely correct based on what I've heard. Like. Shoe companies do not like, usually do not like it as a general rule when athletes stay with the college coach, right? They want to put yeah. them in a, in a group that where they have more control over because it's an investment for them. But I just think it's interesting how they're thinking about the, his approach for the next couple of years. Because if you're thinking about him as a marathoner, which is how I'm thinking about it, there's not really many people who've had his path. So I think choosing to put him in another group or choosing to just follow a, a mold of somebody else, I don't know if that's necessary. Like, they've done a good job with them. And, man, I mean, Eisen was an, a great marathoner for the U.S. That, that might be the best spot for him long term. Obviously, Jared Ward's worked yeah, out I mean, pretty well. What's been Bowerman's success with male marathoners? Yeah, no. Yeah, it hasn't been successful. Right? Hasn't been that. I mean, it hasn't been their, but maybe hasn't been their focus though either. Yeah, you could say. But. And they maybe have yet to have a legit true marathoner, right? Because they had track guys who've been kind of burnt out through yeah. the five k, ten k world, and then became marathoners. And it's like, all right, well, you already capped out as a two thirteen, two twelve guy for the rest of your life. Whereas mm-hmm. Mance, you hope isn't going to get burned out into the five k, ten k world and go right to the marathon. So. Yeah, and ultimately, the decision of what he races, I think, is almost more important than the trade setup, because that's going to be the really interesting factor, as we talked about before. Is he going to be running in case? Is he going to try to go for the team, or is he going to be 
circling those major marathons and taking a shot at, at those races early on. That's that's what I'm interested in. I thought it was an interesting article. I mean, Ed Ed's great. Ed Ed will like tell you what's going on. He's one of the the few out there who is incredibly candid and, and doesn't pull punches about um, how things work in the running world. So it was it was interesting to see those those quotes there. I just thought half seemed pretty low for a guy who had won cross already. Like, were there doubts about Connor Mance? I guess you're right. You lose the 10K, so the people's last memories of, of you losing. But also, knew what he was there, about. they knew that he wasn't going to go to the Olympics, right? So it's like, all right, we're, we're, why are we going to spend money on a guy we know is not going to make the Olympics this year? Like, okay, what are we doing? I think it was very like uh, waiting for the new numbers to come back in, like the updated budget for the next fiscal year. Yeah. It's like, all right, we have, we, we, we lock, we're not paying these five people now. So we have more money. You yeah. Know, instead of trying to fit you into our already crowded budget, you can kind of go at the top of a uncrowded budget. That's probably yeah. what happened too. Well, remember when the pandemic was a couple months old and we were always talking like, what's going to be the status of pro contracts. And there was a while there it was on hold and there was no races too. So you didn't have anything to judge it. And then I think it was Nia Akins was the first one who actually signed a, a, a pro deal or a public pro deal. And then since then it's gotten back to normal, but I'm guessing with a lot of these shoe companies, it's cyclical of we have money and we don't, but I like the miles bridges, Connor Mance comp though. If Lincoln strikes to listen to the pod, he would love that one. Although he'd probably be like, maybe is he more like a Mikhail bridges, not a miles bridges. Yeah. Mikhail's playing pretty good. Mikhail yeah. could have been a sixer. I know that. Could have been a sixer. Instead, we got Zaire. So we got Zaire, who then is now out of the league. So that's the Sixers. Anyway, uh, do you watch Succession? I don't. <sighs> Season finale was last night. It's great. I heard. For those heard. who watch it, they know. I know. You know what happened. It's, it was an all-time episode. It was some people. Uh, I likened it to a famous Game of Thrones episode. Mm. Um, have you ever seen Game of Thrones? No. You haven't seen Game of Thrones either? Oh man! All right, you need a. You need a. Not a big dragon guy. Stuff. I I wasn't a big dragon guy either, and I got into Game of Thrones. I'm I I didn't like Lord of the Rings. I don't like Star Wars. I don't like fantasy land stuff. So I was against Game of Thrones for the entire time, and then I was like, I'll try it, and then I got. I got bought in. So Secession, though. Season finale. Was really you know how, I wanted to talk about it with you, but now I can't. It sucks. You know how that's added to the list of things you can't talk to me about, things you can't talk to me about. Um, you know how on your Twitter feed, you create your own little echo chamber about what's important? Like, you probably follow a lot of Philly sports people. So during Philadelphia yeah, yeah. games, that's like the only thing. But then you hop onto my feed, and there's probably nothing about Philadelphia sports. Yeah, yeah. Well, on my own echo chamber yesterday, I was completely out of the loop on the two things they were talking about. In the morning, it was Formula One racing. <laughs> finish. And then at night, it was succession. And I was out of the loop on both of those things. And it <laughs> created this almost peer pressure, this internet peer pressure of like, why aren't you doing these two things? Everybody yeah. you know is talking about these two things. Get in the conversation. Have an opinion. So... Now I have really strong feelings about Formula One. Not about Succession because I didn't watch the – I didn't read about it. I read about the F1 thing. 
Yeah. I didn't, I didn't obviously didn't read about succession. Was the F1 thing have any kind of connection to like running? Cause it's racing around a track. Well, the controversy was, was the controversy. Was, what was the controversy? Well, I'm going to do a very bad job of this. So someone in the comments can s- summarize it in two sentences and I'll read it and we'll do a better job. But there was a crash that didn't impact Lewis Hamilton was way ahead. There was a crash farther back in the field that didn't impact them. So they had to like reset the race and the way they reset the race gave um, Verstappen um, a bigger advantage. And then he caught Hamilton at the very end and won the race. So he had a big lead and then that lead basically went back to zero. And then, so it'd be like, yeah. So it'd be like if we, if uh, it would be like if Connor Mance had a big lead in a cross country race by like a hundred meters. Yeah. And then someone fell back in like a hundredth place. And they're like, yeah. all right, stop. Let's start back at the starting line. We'll just do the last 5K together. Go. And then Connor Man's like, why did I get that big lead for nothing? That's basically what happened. Yep. Yep. That's that's the way I that, But that always happens. It's for, it's for safety reasons, right? That's why they do that. Well, I guess I guess F1. Okay. I might as well be talking about Game of Thrones right now because I have no idea what I'm talking about. And enough people watch Formula One and know all the rules. Like everybody you know now is a Formula One expert. It's incredible. Like over the last yeah, couple yeah. months, everybody's turned into a Formula One um, genius. But I, I guess they, they changed the rules quite a bit. So there's different ways you can do it on the on the restart. Uh, people in the comments do not like that I've not seen Game of Thrones. Um, uh all in the game says, how can you not have watched two of the biggest shows of the last 10 years? I also haven't watched Sopranos either. Oh, that's more than 10 years. Uh, Tampa Eagle says, Lewis got screwed. Someone says, Hamilton winning easy. Safety car came out. Verstappen went from 10 seconds behind to 0.5 behind with one lap to go. Yeah. There you go. And It's because MV of the, just the unlucky timing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, and Verstappen apparently had fresher tires that gave him a bigger advantage. Yeah. So, so it'd be like if better... uh, in your track race in a marathon, like a pacer car comes out to the front and says, Kipsogi, yeah. you need to stop. You need to slow down and let everyone catch up to you. And then we'll continue. Right. The race. Well, we're going to move this person up. You're going to, we're going to move Galen Rupp up. We know yeah. he was 45 seconds behind, but now he's a half a second behind and there's 1K to go. That would be fun. Should they do yeah. this in track? I'm a, I'm you're a Galen vote, Rupp no. fan. You're loving it. Yeah. You're can you imagine? Can you, can you imagine what subterfuge there would be? Someone would just take a dive at the back of the pack who's not involved at all, and there would all oh, there would be a million controversies related to what shoe company did what. Where it would be unbelievable. I mean, okay, I guess maybe, this maybe, would. <laughs> There's Yo, more people question. talking okay. about F1 in the chat. That we need to change to be an F1 pod. The chat is just F1 now. No one said anything the first 40 minutes about East Bay cross country, about Abby Sider breaking the collegiate record, Connor Mans, Jakob Ingebrigtsen, Axel with his awesome name. No one wanted to talk about that. But now they're like debating the tires that Verstappen was saying. Well, here's the thing about so say you're on a 200 meter indoor track, and say there was a it's yeah. a 5K and there was like an awful fault. And like literally, there's bodies on the track. Yeah, yeah. Right, like laid out. Like a guy just got gassed. He can't get off the track. 
and the leader is about to go lap them, what would they yeah. do? Would the leader just like run around you them go or around. Like jump yeah. over them? Yeah, yeah, you got to go around. I've always but like wondered. say he does that right, and then the guy is still on the track. Like his leg is cut in half. Like you, he can't get off the track. There's just blood everywhere. Yeah. Would Kip two still be allowed to keep going and, and hold on to his lead? Yeah. Listen, I've always wondered in track at what point do they call the race back? Because we've seen some epic falls in big moments, and at yeah. what would need to happen? What would need to happen for there to be a rerun of a race? It's a very high bar to have a rerun yeah. of a race. I mean, do you remember that one year in Sacramento, USA Outdoors, when like the whole field fell? Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think like Loxham was at the like Loxham was just in the right spot, and I think he ended up winning. Obviously, the women's trials in the eight hundred and in sixteen with the big fall, but that was with one hundred fifty to go, and you're just like, all right, bad luck. Like that's how I think it would need to be an external event. For them to do a rerun okay so if like there was like like a speaker would fall on the track or like something mal like something malfunctions or a person in a like an official standing in the middle of the track and knocks over three people i think that would be the only circumstance now uh, barring like a major medical emergency where they would do a rerun yeah like if there was like an explosion or something like imagine if like I don't know. Now I'm getting some crazy, crazy scenarios or something like that. But yeah. Yeah. I guess in F1, I mean, crashes happen. They have these rules because of the way it works. And I think also a factor, I'm going to be honest, I bet a big factor why the world was freaking out is I think a high percentage of F1 fans are new F1 fans. So they're like, what? This isn't because they've never seen like crashes happen so late in a game. Whereas yeah. I think NASCAR fans know like, oh, oh, luck of the draw. They had the lead and then the, the white flag came out on the final bell lap, you know, and then all of a sudden yeah. they're like, crap, you know. Or well, but it's, an, in, it, it's intuitively a dumb rule. I think that's also part of it. It's almost, it reminds me of uh, 2012 when they did the, when Tarmo and Felix tied for that last spot. And then all the world was focused on it because it was the Olympic trials and it was the women's hundred. And then they found out that there was no tiebreaker in place. So then mainstream talk radio and mainstream sports shows the whole time they were trying to figure out what to do next. Cause the trials are 10 days long. And this was on day two or three. We're like, what, how can you not have a policy of how to break ties? And why is this taking so long to figure it out? Like everybody wants to think that they have the solution to these things. And even if they're just the most casual fan, they can be uh, mobilized to get really upset about something. This more so yeah. because obviously even greater interest and he didn't do anything wrong. That's the part of it, right? It wasn't like his fault. And then he got penalized for something that completely had nothing to do with him, I think is why people reacted as they did. Anyway. I know Joel Embiid was very happy. He, had a, he posted a selfie of him celebrating. I thought He's it was because of a, of a of a trade that just went down, but it wasn't because of a notable trade. It was because he was watching F one that morning. Anyway, mm -hmm. so moral uh, story to... is uh, what was Tom? What? No, I was like Tom wants to know which F one driver wins the four hundred race. I don't know. Like I couldn't answer that. I couldn't answer which Game of Thrones character or which Succession character we win in a decathlon. I I'm out of the loop 
on all this stuff. Sorry. Hey, man, here's your assignment. Pick either Game of Thrones or Succession, and this is what you're going to do before the new year. You're going to go into a cave and watch either six or seven seasons of, of Game of Thrones or three hey. seasons of, of Succession. Do Succession. That's only three seasons. I got to be honest. I'm going to do a I'm going to do a controversial I'm going to make a controversial statement here. Um I watched Succession like when it first came out and I was like just it. out on I was out on it after cuz someone said give it four episodes or whatever by the fifth it really gets going and I waited that long and I was just out. Uh, not to say I okay, won't so- try I I I might, I might try it again. There's a higher chance of me doing that than Game of Thrones. So I will no, probably do it. No, there are people who don't like it because all the characters are unlikable. So it's kind of hard to get into it. However, I, I liked it. But, yeah. but I like stuff oh, like that. Oh, you gave it a anti- chance. Anti- Have you given Game of Thrones like... a one episode chance? No. No. Give Game of Thrones one chance. Oh, your wife's watched it? Oh my goodness. Your wife needs we to... Don't have any... We don't have anything in common. So <laughs> it makes sense. Like we don't watch That's any shows married? the same. Yes, exactly why it works. But like, I like Breaking Bad. I like The Wire. I like all those, like those types. She has, has no interest in any of those shows. She likes Game of Thrones and then all this stuff with like royalty, like The Crown and all that stuff that I can't oh, okay, get into. Yeah. yeah, so we're totally different. We will both watch The Americans back when that was on. I don't, for some reason, that crossed our, uh, those interests crossed over. But anyway, we'll leave it there. Flowtrackpodcast.gmail.com. Let us know which F1 racer would win in a 400. No matter what you say, I'm going to agree with you because I have no clue. Neither does Gordon. Uh, with car to... or without car? With car or without car? Uh, no car. No car. No car. Okay. Like they changed the rules again and they moved the guy up after a crash, but now there's no cars involved. 400 meters to the finish on an F1 what track. Who you go. got? Who you got? Thanks to Colt. Thanks to Travis. See you guys Wednesday.